I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is a show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario. And joining me on the other line, lounging at the satellite branch in scenic Hamilton, Ontario, it is your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hey, yo. I actually can't roll my tongue, so I have to do that with my lips like a, like a horse to do a brap. What? Like, I can't roll my R's, right? Oh, neither can I. So if it's, I wanna, call if, it, it's called trilling your R's. If I, I can't trill my R's, so if I want to go, brat, brat, I have to, like, do it with my lips, like a like a horse. Oh, yes. Same. <laughs> same. I can't trill my R's, and it's, uh, in many languages and cultures, that's a speech impediment. Cool. Um, yeah. So I've been trying to learn, and I did it slightly once, but... It's a lot of work. Add it to all the ways in which we are broken. Friends, wow. this is episode 199, as are they all. If you would like to listen to any of our other episode 199s or any of our other 199 episodes, look up Geek Down Podcast wherever you get your audio content. We will emerge, and from henceforth, you can hit follow, subscribe, whatever option is presented to you. Big ups, high five, daps. Give us a dap. And from that point forward, every week, new episodes of this program will be brought to your device, carried on the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip by your mans. Chauncey Frostilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. Oh, girl, he's just going to drop those episodes straight into your device. You don't have to do anything. Listen, it's mid-August. Most of us are in phase three here in Ontario. You're probably trying to get out there, do as much as you can, what little options you have available to you. You don't want to have to worry about getting a podcast. The least no. of your concerns. Especially because winter is coming. L- listen, shut your mouth. <laughs> just, shut, just shut up. <laughs> you shut up. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear it, Caitlin. <sighs> Friends, if you would like to also tell Caitlin to shut up, you can do that via any social media that is available. Uh, primarily Twitter. That's mostly where we hang out. I guess not all social media. We don't have a TikTok, nor will we ever. No, we will not. <laughs> I'm doing that old people thing where I'll, like, watch TikToks from another platform. Also, it defeats the purpose of Instagram Reels if y'all are just loading your TikToks onto Instagram Reels. Like, just... I don't know what's going on. Instagram Reels is Facebook's attempt to try and soak up some some TikTok juice. Hey, since, um, you know, Trump is trying to cancel TikTok... They might they might have done a good thing there. You try to do lots of things. I got to fucking email uh, the seller of uh, the Cowboy Bebop soundtrack to be like, yo, can I change my shipping option <laughs> 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 to DHL, please? I know I said USPS. I'm an optimist. <laughs> I am no longer an optimist. <laughs> no. Let's hit that private. Let's hit that private sector shipping. Uh, what else? Friends, I mean, I could tell you about if you want to support this endeavor financially, but I mean, listen, every week is weirder than the last. Save your money. Save it. Put your pennies away. Save it, and don't use Jordan as an example. Hmm? I don't know what you're talking about. Jordan? 
Have you been spending lots of money on things? This week? Yeah. No. Really? I didn't spend any money this week. I didn't week. get a message for, from you about how you have, I, have pivoted? I said I had a cart. <laughs> I did not say I hit purchase on that cart. I'm pivoting, y'all. Right. I'm surrounded by books again. I'm like, oh my god, knowledge, my hungry brain. It's starving, Caitlin. Starving? Starving. Instead of buying them, I've just been stealing them. We'll talk more about that later <laughs> in updates. Friends, I don't know if we have anything. There's actually lots of news news out in the world today. I don't know that we have any personal updates. I continue to reacclimate myself to society ineffectively. I'm sure that will come as a surprise to no one who's listened to this program longer than 35 minutes. Um, I did my first like actual delivery this week and woke up the next day. And my legs were a jungle of varicose veins, and I was like, cool. Hello, children! Who loves getting older? I guess lying on the floor with my legs up is no part of my morning routine. That just sounds like fun. <laughs> lying on the floor is really... You, Kate's in already. She doesn't care. She doesn't, she doesn't need to know the reason. She doesn't need to know why you're on the floor. She does, bam, she'll be on the floor with you. She's like, this is what we do? Cool. It's also... I, I'm just, like, excited about getting old and not being able to do things because <laughs> I can't walk, and just like... All that stuff. Judge me now, culture. <laughs> I can't rock climb. Sidebar, I think there's a rock climbing anime. <laughs> That's an- what they're judging you for. Yes. That's, I love that. I think there's a rock climbing anime, actually. I need, I need to look that up. I think there's a rock climbing anime. Oh, my God. Amazing. Caitlin's very upset that they, she cannot find a bonsai anime, and I'm very upset that I could not find one either. There's generally an anime I... for everything. <laughs> As we know, I fall into, like, YouTube holes about things. I know so much about bonsai now. So much. <laughs> so, I think this is going to be another uh, installment in our longstanding series. Jordan just tells Kate about shit, but that's new for that's a change. Good. That's new for a change. I feel like the last few weeks has been Caitlin tells Jordan about shit. How was the Perseid meteor mm-hmm. shower, by the way? It was amazing. It was so good. We saw some really like amazing giant ones. It was it was fantastic. Well, happy for that. So, yeah, friends, these are very uh, kind of large stories, tangentially related to the things we care about, but also, like, larger in scope. So I admit I'm somewhat out of my depth trying to talk about these. So I have numerous articles written by people smarter than me that I will try to distill into information that will make sense to all of us here. Um, one that is just interesting and probably doesn't affect us that much, but I thought it was interesting, was have you heard this business about Fortnite this week? No. So Fortnite i.e. the game your little cousins are all playing when you go to visit, is on every system in the world, every console, every mobile iOS, Google, Apple, everything. And it's the biggest game in the world. Makes a shit ton of money. Travis Scott, like, does concerts (laughs) in (laughs) Fortnite. Like, it's ridiculous. And this is owned by uh, Epic Games. Uh, And they have decided that they do not like... That this is really like the the biggest first world problems thing in the world, but it's just it's just interesting. Epic Games does not like that Google and Apple take a cut of the money when people buy shit in the game. So Fortnite has in app purchases for I don't know you know what yeah. whatever a fucking mask or a hoodie or a pair of pants or something. And it's like you spend actual <laughs> money for that shit, or you spend actual money to buy the in game currency to buy the pair of pants that you need so badly. And then Apple goes yoink and takes like you know thirty percent 
of whatever money you, Timmy, have spent to buy those pants in Fortnite. Epic is mad about this. Epic... Wow. Epic tried to introduce a direct payment system in the game that would bypass the app stores, meaning Apple and Google wouldn't get their 30% anymore. And Apple and Google, who say this fee is necessary for them to maintain the app stores and, you know, the hosting and the, and the transfer and everything else, which has led some developers to jack the prices up on the game themselves to offset the 30% that Apple's going to take. So because Epic uh, instituted this sort of like direct payment system in the game, Apple said it's a violation of the terms of service and booted Fortnite from their app store. And Google has done the oh. same as well. Shit. So Apple kicking Fortnite off of the app store has led to Epic Games to sue Apple uh, under antitrust laws, saying that they are perpetuating a monopoly. Ultimately, yeah. these are just obscenely rich companies throwing a hissy fit at each other. Yeah. But it's just interesting when these, like, you know, Goliaths start batting at each other like that because this is the – Apple's model has just been what it is, you know, getting you into their little walled garden and everything you do now. You know, I buy Star Gems so I can, you know, pull gotchas for waifus. That all goes through the App Store. Like, <laughs> every waifu I've ever bought, Apple took 30%. How dare they? Now I'm mad. Now I'm on Epic Games' side. <laughs> Are you going to sue them? How dare you take 30% of my waifus? <laughs> so no idea how this will play out. Epic Games already put out this little YouTube video um, called Hashtag Free Fortnite, which is a oh blatant ripoff of Apple's classic 1984 Super Bowl ad. Amazing. So, yeah. I'm Again, ultimately, this is first world problems. These are two ginormous, more money than God companies. Uh having a pissing match at each other. Epic also calls out some other sort of, um, you know, quite moves they see as questionable that Apple's done over the years. Apple's been very uh, clear that it will never approve uh, cloud gaming apps and game subscription services like the Xbox Game Pass or Google Stadia, meaning that all these ecosystems remain sort of walled off. Like you'll never be able, there will be no cross platforming like that. Meaning like if you're playing, if you're playing Fortnite for, if you were playing Fortnite for iOS, you were only playing with other iOS players. You couldn't play with the Xbox players or the PS4 players. Um, and this has been in some cases, this has been eroded a little bit. I know there are some games where the PS4 and Xbox, um, player bases have been able to intermingle a bit, but you know, Epic's got a, Epic's got a problem with that too. Also, you know, these, it's also interesting because these sort of rules affect these huge games that we don't think about because we're, you know, older than 15. Like you're talking Minecraft, you're talking Roblox, all these games that, you know, <laughs> what's the joke we always made about Minecraft? Minecraft is really popular with nine-year-olds because nine-year-olds are the only people with enough time to like be good at Minecraft. Um, and I just learned about Roblox a couple weeks ago. I only know it for the tie-in products we get at major canadian retailer i don't know what it is or how to play it but it's like a bunch of mini games well apparently it's huge too yeah and you can do you can have like an avatar and i kind of think of it as oh was that penguin thing from back in the day penguin hotel was it hotel penguin yeah penguin hotel or something um like that's what it makes me think of but also like the mario Oh, what was it called? Mario Party. Wario. Oh, no, no, no Mario. Yeah, WarioWare. 
something like that. Yeah, you had, you had all those mini games. I know it's not like that, but, but the games were the games were like seven brain, seconds long. Yeah, well, that's where my brain can like. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to explain that to like my niece, and she was like, "No." <laughs> that's how <laughs> we like you're old. That's how we connect with games. <laughs> yeah. Travis still listens to the show. He's fucking screaming right now. Pro pro Twitch <laughs> pro Twitch streamer Travis is like literally pulling out his beard right now. As uh, Oji san and Obasan <laughs> talk, talk about games. Um, no, it's just interesting. I mean, this is you're, no lawsuit. I think will ever make Apple change what Apple wants to do. Apple gonna get that thirty percent one way or another. But no one's ever had the ability to try to check Apple. Um, right. and Epic has been on record saying like, we don't expect, we don't want money from this. Like we don't expect to get any money from this. We basically just want to check them. <laughs> like we don't think this is cool. Mm. We think if we've built this platform and we're making a ton of money of it, you shouldn't take any of our money for nothing. Which is, I guess is a real like Elon Musk pro capitalism, uh, you know, attitude, which will always rankle me, but. Well, what's interesting is. It's not the same, but um, Amazon.ca is being, like, investigated by the can- uh, Canadian government. Mm. Um, I can't remember what it's called that they're specifically looking at, but basically, it, I don't think it falls under monopoly, but there's something going on with whether they give Canadian retailers a fair chance on the platform. Well, Canada's whole um, identity is being very protective about Canadian stuff. I mean, if you're unfamiliar, y'all, even in the media yeah. landscape, we have a thing called CanCon, which is Canadian content, which means radio stations, which are a thing that broadcast uh, sound wirelessly <laughs> over the airwaves. <laughs> a lot of you might not be familiar, but there's a rule that says any Canadian-owned radio station has to play, I think it's 30% Canadian content, and there are all these rules about what classifies as Canadian content. There was a thing years ago where Brian Adams wasn't considered Canadian content because he was the only Canadian who worked a, worked on his stuff. It wasn't Canadian enough, and Brian Adams was like, fuck all y'all. Um, <laughs> wow, Caitlin is hot on with this, friends. These stories are all dropping from, like, 15 to 20 hours ago. Yeah, so Canada's Competition Bureau investigates Amazon.ca. Watchdog wants to hear from any Canadian businesses that have sold products via Amazon.ca. Uh, they've launched an, an investigation. Um, what are they probing? <laughs> what are they probing? Well, it's just, it keeps on saying this. You know when newspaper articles these days say, like, the same thing, like, six times? <laughs> and you're like, what, what, is, what is the story, though? I've got the actual news release that the government put out here. Cause oh, perfect. I think we both saw the same story, and my cynical brain goes, payments.com. That's not a website. Um <laughs> But it did have a link to a uh, statement from the government of Canada dated August 14th. Um, it says, quote, the Competition Bureau is inviting market participants to, prov- to provide input to inform its civil investigation into conduct by-, conduct by Amazon. The investigation is ongoing, and there is no conclusion of wrongdoing at this time. Um, the Bureau is conducting its investigation under the restrictive trade practices provisions of the Competition Act. Uh, areas of interest include any past or existing Amazon policies, which may impact third-party sellers' willingness to offer their products for sale at a lower price on other retail channels, such as their own websites or other online marketplaces. The ability of third parties to succeed on Amazon's marketplace 
uh, any efforts or strategies by Amazon that may influence consumers to purchase products it offers for sale over those offered by competing sellers. So it has seems to have a lot to do with um, that thing I was complaining about when I bought my fan last month, where, where I was trying to buy masks. Where right. It was like Amazon doesn't hardly sells anything by this point. It's just like people using Amazon because they don't want to build a website. Like, yeah, and they it says Amazon has come under the microscope for having uh, just too much market power. Mm. Um, and that they're possibly pushing around their suppliers. Because basically, if you, if you even if you have your own website, unless people know your company, there's no other place to get people to buy your stuff unless it's Amazon. Well, Amazon is – Amazon's like Kleenex now, right? It's just shorthand. Like, it's where your brain goes immediately. Well, yeah. that's interesting. Look at us. Look at us reaching reaching for the stars. Wider, wider topics. <laughs> Got one more for you, which is going to start wide and then kind of like drill down. Um, okay, I'm ready. I've prepared. I've got tea. <laughs> well, careful, careful sipping that tea. We know what happened last mm. week. I've, I've swallowed the tea. I'm prepared. Excellent. The tea is going over here, <laughs> so that it does not go all over my keyboard. So, <laughs> your cube? <laughs> my keyboard. Oh. Is it about my cube? Is it about my cube? <laughs> so Warner Media is a company that did not exist before 2018 and basically was uh, a behemoth Goliath that was formed when uh, AT&T and the Time Warner conglomerate merged. Who loves corporate consolidation? Anyway, this week, the shit always drops like the day after we record. Like, we have an episode where it's like, there's no news. And then, like, we hang up the phone, and 20 minutes later, something insane happens. So, yes, there has just. Often. Yeah, often. There has been a bloodbath at Warner Media uh, on the executive level and trickles down as well. There's been 600 layoffs, I think. What? And this centers around, apparently, uh, a lot to do with the HBO Max launch. Um,. Which I don't know anything about it. You know, we're in Canada. We use Crave. <laughs> we get our. We or get, we find things on the high seas. Yeah. Um, but you know, they're like in America. There are like fifteen branded HBO things. There was HBO Now, HBO Go, HBO your regular HBO, and then HBO Max. Um, there were problems with distribution. People didn't know if they already had it or if they could get it. Um. Similar to the Epic and Apple sort of thing, there's a pissing match going on between Warner Media and Amazon because you can't get HBO. Um, HBO Max is not available on both Amazon Fire Sticks and uh, Roku products. So if those are how you're using. There's I don't know the details of the pissing match there, but there's a pissing match going on there where like Roku or Amazon want certain things and Warner's like meh. So if you want HBO Max, you won't be able to get it through your Roku, which is, again, like Fortnite and Roblox is just a thing that I think a lot of, like, people use. Like, my dad has a Roku. If you didn't want to, sh- if you didn't want to shell out for, like, you know, a uh, you know, $900 smart TV, you just went out and got, like, a $50 Roku and threw it on the back of your television. Mm-hmm. And now you can watch your Netflix and your, you know, Amazon Prime and whatever. Um, so those are all the issues. Those are a lot of issues there. Real top-level executives getting shuffled off. And a lot of this also has to do with... There used to be a siloing of content, whereas, like, 
you know, maybe the HBO stuff was happening over here. You started seeing this in HBO Max as well, where people were a little put off, where the branding for it would have, like, Game of Thrones, The Wire, and The Big Bang Theory. Right. Don't really seem to go together. Uh, and if you're a snooty yeah. HBO person, you're looking at The Big Bang Theory, like, you know, how did this Big Bang Theory get in my Game of Thrones? Um, yeah. But there seems to be a movement away from walling off all this stuff. It's like, we are just Warner media and we have all this stuff and this is us. And that includes, this is us. No, I don't know. Peacock's probably got, this is us, but (laughs) 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 jokes for me. Um, it's like, we have big bang theory. We have game of Thrones. We have all this stuff. Look at all the stuff we have. Another thing they have is DC. So what we are seeing already is that DC universe ain't going to be a thing anymore. All that content's going to get shuffled onto HBO Max. And as well, there was a bloodbath at DC Editorial, where a lot of people got fired, and a lot of books got canceled. They had already, I don't know how this plays into that decision they had a few months ago, where they decided to go with their own distributor and leave Diamond, which basically took them out of, uh, or made it a lot harder for the direct market to get uh, DC comic books. There's another point in here where, like, Basically, statue and collectible production is going to be farmed out to Mattel. DC collectible used to be its own thing, and they had their own business, and you know, whatever. And that struck me, because I've heard these buzzings and speculations, rumors and innuendo, as you will, that for a lot of these companies, the value is in the IP, right? Like, they just want to own Batman. They don't care how Batman gets made, and they don't care that Scott Snyder's writing some crossover event in the comic books right now. Right. They don't give a fuck about that. Um, And I've heard this as well on the Marvel side of things, where Disney, who is no longer buoyed by its theme park business, because that's where they're taking L's. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's where they made the most of their money. You could always rely on that, no matter how the winds blew. No matter what sort of numbers, subscription, new subscription numbers, Disney Plus was going, you know, uh, people were going to Disney World every day, you know. But now, you know, the lines at Epcot Center are not exactly what they once were. So there could be a similar sort of restructuring uh, at Disney. And maybe that involves, we own Spider-Man. Why do we need to put out Spider-Man comic books? Or why do we need to put out Spider-Man comic books? If people want to put out Spider-Man comic books, why don't they just pay us for the rights to Spider-Man? I hope they don't. I hope they have someone who has sense. I mean, I don't know. I know they've already done, I know Dynamite or somebody has already done a few kind of licensed comic books. But if if somebody in a suit in a boardroom looks at these numbers and is like, why are we paying to publish this stuff? If somebody else wants to do it and carry that financial load, let them. Let's take a, you know, let's take the cut on the rights for the IP. But they must know that the quality of what gets put out, I mean, affects their brand, right? It's so divergent at this point now. Like, there's so... Yeah. There are enough people who know the Avengers from Endgame than, you know, any comic book story. Again, I think the book selling, I think the bookstore market is still strong enough for them. And trade and trade paperbacks is still strong enough for them in that catalog that, you know, I don't know that any comic publisher will go that route completely, but it's just food for thought. It's a, it's a weird, it's a really weird world we're living in. Um, weird times. Most of the, uh, 
info I have here about the uh, DC layoffs comes from... <laughs> I don't know if you would ever hear this or take offense to the term, but uh, comics muckraker Rich Johnson over at uh, Bleeding Cool slash Lying in the Gutters. He's been, I mean, he's been at this forever when I was really paying attention to to comic books. I mean, we talk about the dirt sheets and wrestling. Like, Rich Johnston, like, had, like, the only comic book dirt sheet for the longest time. Jim Lee was the publisher of DC Comics. He apparently is being, his position's being retooled. He may just be chief creative officer now. Um, there's a lot of talk about move, the movement of people around to different positions and just a general sort of consolidation of positions or what was once, you know, three people will now be one person. That's always fun. Isn't it? I love to do that. Always works out well. Oh yeah. <laughs> With so many staff leaving the company around a third, it's estimated the continual production of comic books is likely to take a hit, but the graphic novel line, which has become more valuable to DC is so far in advance of production no one would notice until well into 2021 because we also hear about what is described as a two-year plan for DC comics, which will see DC comics move to mass market production through Walmart, the licensing of titles with editors, moving to brand managers and approval roles alongside a move from DC to digital serialization and original graphic novels. Oh my God. Walmart. 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 So again, Weird, weird times we're living in. The landscape is changing, y'all, in so many ways. Something else that changed. This is the last item item I have. Yep. So, we will recall Netflix, back in 2018, I believe, um, announced they were going to do a live-action adaptation of Avatar. Yes, and I had this on my news bit. You did have this on your news bit? Um, Oh, yeah. And it was going to uh, feature the direction and participation of original creators, Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian, I'm going to butcher that name, Brian Konetsko. And everyone rejoiced. And they said, yay. Yay. Live action avatar with the original creators leading the way. This will be great. It was announced this week. That the original creators are no longer working on the live-action series, citing creative differences, said DiMartino in a lengthy blog post. "Quote: Whatever version ends up on screen, it will not be what Brian and I had envisioned or intended to make." And the fans went, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, we did. We did go." <laughs> I have seen Scuttlebutt. I have seen Scuttlebutt on Twitter suggesting that Netflix wants to age up the characters and add more blood and sexy times yeah. to the show. That's probably the proper reaction. Whereas, you know, people with a brain go, right, because that's how you would darken up Avatar. Not like Avatar wasn't dark enough if you wanted to really paint it in that light. Pretty sure the Fire Nation perpetuating mass genocide is probably <laughs> dark enough. Yeah, I was very sad. And now there's this whole campaign to just be like, don't make this show. Just don't don't do it. Don't make this show. Also, as I've always said, as much as it would be like sort of fun, um, and I really like that universe, I don't think we need another Avatar The Last Airbender because we already have one. Well, this is what I've been fucking railing against low-key since the start of this podcast. Like... Well, I mean, there are times, like, I don't think we need live-action Disney movies, Mm. because 
we already have them. But Not the live action part, but the like, can you really improve upon the original? That's the question. But that it's or recognizable do IP. Do you have something interesting to add or to say? And I think it's okay to do stuff in the universe. Make a show about after Korra or about one of the earlier avatars, right? I think that would be cool. I think it would be way cooler. Um, but I don't, I don't think we need this. I mean, look. Um, it has yeah. been proven that it can be done. Watchmen exists. Watchmen proved that a shadow of doubt. And, uh, you know, salute to Lindelof and the entire creative team on the 700 Emmys they got nominated for. Um, like, that proved you could do a new thing in an established universe based on existing IP that did not just follow a slavish devotion to what you think fans wanted from any sort of continuation, Star Wars. But I don't, the thing is, I'll never forget, I was listening to Chris and Andy once, and I heard this story, and I've never forgotten it. I don't know if Andy was speaking from experience, but he was basically saying that he was having a talk with a fellow screenwriter, and the notion was just kind of like, you could write your rollicking Indiana Jones-esque type, you know, action-adventure story and not sell it. But the second you say it's about a young Jack Daniels or something, like, <laughs> what? then you got people interested. Because it's like, that's a thing I know. That's a thing people know. Like, and then, um, original content is so, like, down the food chain as far as what gets greenlit or produced. Yeah. So, you know Netflix was looking at those streaming numbers and went, what the hell is this thing spiking down here in the corner? And it was the Avatar show. Yeah. They're like, shit, what can we do with that? Nobody's looking. Quick, scoop that up. Yeah. And they did. Well, now we got to do something with it. And they tried to do right by it. There, there are times when there is definitely an oversaturation of uh, not just the, the type of content, but like even content that's uh, associated. Like we had that bat, crazy Batman saturation where it was like they had the uh, Titans. Right. So they had Titans. They had um, uh, Batwoman. They had um, uh, what was that one with Bruce Wayne as a child? Oh, Gotham. Gotham, Gotham. They had Pennyworth. They like they just kept on bringing out. Well, and apparently HBO Max is uh, trying to get the like Gotham PD, basically what Gotham Central is or was one of my favorite comics of all time um, about the Gotham police force, which is funny because that's what Gotham was supposed to be. Yeah. And then Fox was like, that's too boring. Put some villains in it. Yeah. And then it just went like, apparently it went like fucking a, like just <laughs> off the wall. Like I haven't seen it at all. So you can let me know if I'm wrong, but just from what I had read, things just went wild. Um, but anyway, so it just, like, there was just so much. And, of course, all of the CW stuff. They have, like, 17 DC CW shows. I don't know what's going on. Um, Doom Patrol, which apparently is very good. Um, uh, Supergirl, 
something Listen, that CW else. stuff went, like, balls out with the, like, they actually tried to do Crisis on Infinite Earths, and, like, fucking Brandon Routh showed up again as Superman, like. Yeah. It was wild. Um, the Flash, the, like. <laughs> yeah, like, so Ezra much. showed up, and like, so, like, the, the actual, like, DCCU, like, crossed over with the CW universe, like. Yeah. And, like, they, they some of the stuff was associated and some of it wasn't and i was just like oh no please stop Um, please don't do this so here's from Martino. um basically outlining his decision to uh to walk away um i realized i couldn't control the creative direction of the series but i could control how i responded so I chose to leave the project. It was the hardest professional decision I've ever had to make, and certainly not one that I took lately, but it was necessary for my happiness and creative integrity, and who knows? The live-action adaptation of Avatar has the potential to be good. It might turn out to be a show many of you end up enjoying, but what I can be certain about is whatever version ends up on screen, it will not be what Brian and I had envisioned or intended to make. So that's uh, that's some real Southern bless-your-heart type of stuff. like. <laughs> And that's like we are separating ourselves that, from whatever trash that, fire yeah. comes at the other end. That is like, it might be great. It is garbage, and we don't want our <laughs> names on it. Um, so, yeah, that's what that is. I mentioned Brandon Routh, and it popped into my head. Uh, we should take a moment to uh, salute Toronto podcast that we are. Scott Pilgrim versus the World, 10th anniversary this week. Brad makes you fat. Oh! Look at that. That's nice. I actually really like that movie. It seems to be uh, growing in acclaim. It hit at a weird time, I feel like, and I don't think people really knew what to make of it. I mean, it's hard. I live in Toronto, so it was like fucking Jesus had landed because Toronto just wants to be loved more than anything. Um, it was like people cheered when the word Toronto showed up on the caption. Like, <laughs> Well, it, it is because we get slighted so much, though – and I feel weird even saying this, but, like, Drake kind of put us on the map. He definitely did. Like, which is so weird. I mean, I know some people, like, absolutely hate Drake. I don't really have an opinion. I think it's fine. Um, I kind of like that he's a big dork. Like, that's, like, I don't care how hard he tries to be in his songs. Hey, like, he, talking to him, he's just a big fucking dork. He started as an actor. He's a he's a theater nerd, first and foremost. Um, yeah. I think because Toronto has always had to spend so much of its cinematic identity standing in for other places that when it gets to be itself, that never yeah. happens. Um, so the fact that there was a big budget Hollywood movie by like, I mean, Edgar Wright was on fucking fire when that movie came mm-hmm. out. It was his third movie, I think. Um, yeah. He had done, he had done Shaun of the Dead. He had done Hot Fuzz. And then, yeah, this, this was his third. And just... I I haven't watched it in a while. I I, I might watch it today, actually. Um, oh, look at that! I got SFA to do. Dude, I'm off today. I might I might just watch it. But I just remember I remember not being crazy about the graphic novel, um, and I think that had more to do with the fans of the graphic novel than the graphic novel itself. Because again, you know, I I had just moved to Toronto and it was like peak Scott Pilgrim Toronto fever, and oh. I'm like, see, I came to it so late, like. It was sort of a thing that was known really well. I think all of them had come out, like, and I just sort of read them slowly. I, like, borrowed them from people, and I thought it was fine. Um, I think that's what it was. I, I think I read the first two before I got to Toronto, and then I got here, and people were like, Scott Pilgrim's the greatest. And I'm like, you are just all in the midst of, like, I can see my house from here, and you're just like, hey, look, I know that place. Like, 
It ain't that good. Let's not shit ourselves. Like, calm down. Um, I think a lot of people were disappointed that some characters didn't make it in, and that the, a lot of there was a lot of like character changes. Um, I hate what's his face's hair in that movie. Michael Sarah. Oh my god! Oh my god! I I I hate it so much, so much. I think I think anyway. in general, I don't think audiences were really like prepared for that version of a comic movie at the time um that just wasn't just a comic movie it was like a live action anime it was a video game it was it was all this stuff i mean it it was very faithful to the graphic novel um and i remember not being crazy about the graphic novel but walking out of the movie being like that was fucking incredible like (laughs) i loved that movie and edgar wright posted a bunch of stuff on his instagram this week that's just been like to see it just like delighted me. Like it was a test shot before the effects went in of when knife shows up at their apartment and Wallace opens the door and Scott jumps out the window. Yes. So it's Edgar Wright in like a cardboard setup and he's playing Wallace. And then like, and it's like, you know, Edgar Wright accent. Like, ah, he just left. <laughs> and some like stuff <laughs> like dives through the window behind him. I'm like, that was such a perfect fucking shot. Like, <laughs> Like, that was so amazing. Um, And also, I was reminded of all of this because The Ringer had a piece called Knife's Chow is the coolest part of Scott Pilgrim. And I was like, yes. Yes, she was. Um, But tied into all the stuff Edgar Wright was doing, Brian Lee O'Malley, the original author, um, did, like, a sort of Instagram AMA, you know, on your stories. You can always put that, like, ask me a question thing and then answer questions through your story. He was doing some of that. And one of the things he he mentioned was, like, like, you can't undersell how the underperformance of that movie, like kind of tanked the property for a bit. Right. Cause people were like, why can't I get the, you know, can I get, can I get my Scott Pilgrim lunchbox or something? Somebody asked that. And he's like, you need to understand yeah. nobody was interested in making anything when that movie tanked. He's like, there's a bit, there's a far better chance today. And he alluded like, there will be more stuff now, but he's like, there's a far better chance today. He's like, you'll see more Scott Pilgrim merchandise in the next year than you saw in the last 10. Look at even, like, they let the license lapse on. The thing I talk about all the time as far as, like, you know, you don't ever really own anything um, is the Scott Pilgrim video game, which was a great classic, like, SNES-style beat-em-up. And I love beat-em-ups. And I think Ubisoft put it out, but, like, the license lapsed and it, like, disappeared from any app store. It's just gone. Right. The game's just gone. It's I have a I have the data sitting on the hard drive of my old 360. Like, that's... <laughs> That's the only copy of the game that I could ever have. Um, but yeah, it's just shouts, shouts to Scott Pilgrim. Great, great movie if you've never seen it. Um, also, my, the homie Pops had Pops loves Scott Pilgrim. He had his Cowboy Bebop soundtrack moment when um, he Edgar Wright also announced that there's going to be like the score and the soundtrack are getting vinyl picture discs for like the first time Ooh. in ten years. That's cool. Including apparently. Uh, the version of whatever Clash of Demon Head song that Brie Larson sang, which apparently was only ever on a first pressing and then got, like, taken down and, like, hasn't been available for ten years. But, like, the version of the song that Brie Larson sang is going to be on the vinyl. Also, that's fantastic, because that's a great song. I mean, it's also a, um, a metric song. Is it? Yeah, metric and Sloan and uh, a lot of... I mean, yeah, Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright probably didn't know who the fuck metric or Sloan was. I assume Brian Lee O'Malley is probably the dude who was like, you should talk to them. But, mm-hmm. like, that's how deep he went in keeping this like 
a Toronto Canadian indie type movie like that. Um, I also wanted to shout out notable, um, well, I guess it's the only one left, uh, Toronto Alt Weekly uh, Now, which featured in the movie as well. Um, Amazing. Because it featured in the comic book, that's how they found out that uh, that Clash of Demon Head was going to be playing was a listing in Now Magazine. So Now posted a couple of the uh, two of the mock-ups they did Aww, for the movie. That's cool. Um, my favorite one is the one with also Brian Lee O'Malley uh, copped to the fact that like Chris Evans totally made the Lucas Lee character. Somebody asked if Lucas Lee was just supposed to be Jason Lee, meaning like skateboarder who turns into actor slash action star, or whatever. And he's cop to it. He said, yeah, it basically was. But, like, he was a one-note... He was a one-note character in the comic book. And it's like, but everybody remembers Chris Evans as Lucas Lee. He did a great job. And that was an epic skateboard trick. It was. Um, so the, the cover... <laughs> shouts to whoever made this mock-up. So it's Now Magazine. It's got a picture of Chris Evans on the front. Lucas Lee, chairman of the board. From skater to Hollywood megastar. And it's the secondary um, headlines. Uh, Toronto's top 10,000 Chinese food restaurants. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, hundred crappy yeah. gifts under $10. And heart emojis, Parkdale special, the best bars and neighborhoods you wouldn't want to live in. <laughs> Amazing. That's good. So, shouts to Scott Pilgrim. That's something I will be watching. Let's talk about stuff we already watched. Kate, what do you got? That was a great segue, by the way. I just, I fucking dunked it. Um, uh, really, there are only three things of mention. Three things. I had a very slow, monotonous week. Did not watch much. Who among us? We have been watching random Star Trek episodes. Like From, like, every... Oh, from everything. From every... Yeah. Um, third season, third and fourth season, TNG, was on fucking fire. (laughs) Yoga fire! Data's day... So good. It's such a good episode. Um, anyway, so that's been enjoyable. I watched Crazy Rich Asians. Did you? Which I have seen before, but Jacqueline and I had a movie night and we watched Crazy Rich Asians. It's a fun movie. <laughs> um, and then finally, <laughs> I need to stay away from this, by the way. <laughs> I fell down this weird political comment commenter commentator hole like like all these shows where they talk about politics and they're like clips and they're like youtube slash podcasts that talk about other like that they'll dissect a clip and then someone will dissect the clip of them dissecting their clip like no no, no, stop it the, the face Stop I'm making me. right now. Stop like... it to them. Stop it to American politics. <laughs> Specifically American politics, because Canada doesn't really have that. No, um, we don't. And British politics. Um, and, yeah, it's, I don't know why it sucked me in, but my, as soon as I watched, like, a couple of videos of stuff, it might not even be full things. I was just getting my whole YouTube um, <laughs> algorithm got totally, like, skewed. I just have, like, political commentator videos, and it's awful. So I'm trying to, like, get back. I'm like, no, it's where like, are my cute animals? It's like, and it's like me with my just, 
It's like me with my Discover Weekly where I had to like run uh, Japanese contemporary music playlists while I slept to try and to try and get my Discover Weekly algorithm back on point. So the, I was in this like hole of just awful and th- I'm talking about like the left and the right and centrist just I they're all terrible. Anyway, um and I was in this hole and I like could not it was not suggesting any other type of video. Finally, from like probably last week when I was watching stuff that was much more educational, um a video came on about Angkor Wat which is it's actually on the Cambodian flag, but it's basically this ancient Cambodian temple. Um and I was it was fascinating. It was all about like it sort of being rediscovered and and uh, you know how it was actually part of a much bigger like citadel and it was very very cool and it kind of like shook me out of these other videos so I had to like change start changing my algorithm so I'm like looking about like ancient stuff trying to avoid all the alien stuff um <laughs> but as I was watching this documentary on Angkor Wat you know your brain has changed when you're like all like it was this old English guy who was sort of doing the documentary and it was just so like white and western it was like so it's Angkor Wat is massive it's huge and the people living in and around Cambodia um knew it was there um but they talk about this French so this French sort of um I think I don't know if he was a botanist but he was traveling around Cambodia and he discovered it and I that word <laughs> makes me so angry um you can't really discover something that already exists um and when people sort of ask like after that after this discovery this is why I say rediscovery or rediscovery for like the western world um they sort of started to uh, dig up the site and try and do conservation on it. And when people ask, like, oh, why didn't the maybe Cambodian villagers around do that? It's like, because they have no fucking money. <laughs> they like, why? It's not up to them. They're just trying to, like, live their lives and it comes to a bigger issue of like how people view um, Eastern cultures and the Western, the whole Western discovery of things. And I'm like, Oh, I'm real woke now. Like I can't even watch a British documentary (laughs) on something without being like fucking colonists. (laughs) Like I, and that was really frustrating because I was like, well, western world you ruined something else for me so i'm trying to find like cambodian documentaries on <laughs> angkor wat like i'm like i don't know I, I i won't know i won't understand it i like anyways it was just it was this weird moment i was having the whole last week was weird but it was this weird moment i was having where i was like very frustrated with like racists and colonists and i was like Frustration is not the right word. I'm just like 
weirdly just so angry because I'm like, you guys ruin everything. Um, yeah, it was very, it was a very eye-opening look at something that I used to really enjoy without really, you know, taking a, I like to say Jordan look at things <laughs> because you tend to like deep, well, you tend to deep dive and like, you know me, we know it's the Caitlin. It was fine. It was good. It was great. Like, you know, I don't really, unless something's really egregious, like I don't usually go in on how they're talking about something or how they're presenting something. But it was just really, oh, God. And they had this French guy who was wearing a scarf. And I'm like, it's Cambodia. Do <laughs> you have any idea how hot Cambodia is? But he's French, so he doesn't have a fucking scarf. Like, I was <laughs> almost apoplectic. Like, I think, I think senior correspondent Chris came in at one point and was like, are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> Learning about Angkor Wat. <laughs> he's like, okay. Learning about ancient civilizations and temples usually doesn't make you this angry, though. So, anyways, <laughs> everyone needs to be better. That is the that is the moral of the story. Be better, everyone. Also, the first time Anchor Watt's ever going to appear in the metadata for an episode of this show. <laughs> if you have any cool Anchor Watt <laughs> documentaries you'd like right. to share with me, whether or not like just. Ugh, the presenters are not repellent. If all, if all you really Wattheads ended that. up on this episode randomly, <laughs> let her know. Sorry we made you wait to the hour-long point to get that sweet WattCon. <laughs> uh, this is what people hang around for, though. They hang out for is it? Stuff. <laughs> yeah, it is. I've been told that. <sighs> well, what do I have? I didn't really watch much this week. Um... One thing I did watch randomly because it kept coming up on my on my algorithms, probably because it knows how much I love Narcos, was you know City of Fear, I believe it's called. <laughs> Basically, like a four part. It's called City of Fear, I think. It's on Netflix. It's like a four part documentary about um, basically how the FBI took on organized crime in the seventies in New York. And failed to take on organized crime, but that's fine. <laughs> And much how the world has ruined Caitlin from just, you know, enjoying a white hosted a documentary about Anchor Watt. I have a real hard time with stories about like, you know, hero maverick cops. Right. Even if, you know, mobsters are not good people, but any sort of the propagation of any more propaganda in my life is like, <laughs> um, season eight Brooklyn nine nine is going to be real hard this year. Y'all harder than usual. I, I did not, I've not heard propaganda, but I love it. No? No, and that, and here's, I don't, I'm really having trouble, like, I keep on remembering things that I got, sort of, the the YouTube <laughs> thing went wild, and I watched so many videos, like, excessive force cop oh, stories, that Just... I was like, I was so upset. The only political stuff you need in your life is Ben Shapiro reading the lyrics to WAP. That's all you need in your life. That was... I, and Ben Shapiro, I just, I've never met someone who I want to hit, like, their face let's say, and their voice. Let's say hypothetically, like, you got a pussy. And let's, say, also, what's the... let's say, for the sake of argument, it was a wet-ass <laughs> pussy. Oh, Ben Shapiro. Anyway, another, another entrant in the dumb person, smart people category. Have fun. Have fun chatting with Jordan Peterson. 
and Nishi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I live for a cackle yell, even over the phone. So, yeah. Uh, I gotta say, though, mm. I'm sorry. In those political videos, they were just, like, tearing through Jordan Peterson. They were... I, there were so many things that were actually quite funny. All his, like, weird big words. Even people who, like, agree with him were like, you could ask him a question and he'll give you, like, a three-hour answer on, like, are you having a good day? <laughs> He's just, uh, anyways. Was it, sorry, was it a good documentary? Was it informative? It's not as cool as it thinks it is. Mm. Um, it did. It doesn't spend enough time on anything that would make it interesting. Like, so basically the gist is, you know, this is all rote now, but in the seventies it was like, you know, they were still trying to figure it out. The code of silence basically. Right. Like right. you could hire, you could, you know, you could arrest the people who are actually doing the stuff and lock them away for a couple of years and then they get out. But like the underboss and the boss, you were never getting close to. Um, mm-hmm. And, Basically, they talked to this law professor from Cornell who's like, you already had the tools, which was the RICO Act, um, which I don't remember what it stands for. It's basically like the conspiracy law, the anti-conspiracy law. But that, the thing is, I can't tell you why that's important because all they said was we had it. It was the RICO law. And then don't explain. Basically, just say you can now like try the organization, including the boss, for something that somebody under him did, which then gives right. him the ground to like then – you know, start to get surveillance and start wiretapping. And that stuff's interesting when you talk with these guys who were like, pretend these, these feds who were pretending to be, you know, cable repairmen or something walking into like, you know, a mob, like literal mob boss's house, like one of the heads of the five families faking that he's a cable repair guy to try and like get some, you know, bug into their cable box while some enforcer like watches everything he's doing. And they'll try to do these, like, cool tricks where, like, the actor who was playing the young version of the Fed is mouthing the, like... So, like, if the Fed's talking about, you know, what he was about to do, they're filming, like, the actor playing the young version of him mouthing what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it, if they if they were consistent with it, maybe it'd be cool, but they're not consistent with it, so... Um, that, you can't see my face, but it's like a <laughs> no face. Yeah. No. So anyway, I only got through one episode of it. Uh, will I choose to watch that instead of Scott Pilgrim this afternoon? Probably not. But I mean, if I'm bored again, I mean, I love Grand Theft Auto. Who doesn't love? What dude doesn't love a good mob story every once in a while? So I may, I may stick with it, but it's not uh, on the priority list at all. I have written down here because I just want to give a, a special shout out to a fellow named Simon Miller. I don't know if I ever mentioned him by name on the show before, but um, I don't watch wrestling anymore. Okay. I watch videos. What? I watch. Oh. I, hey, hey, calm down. I watch videos about wrestling. Like. Oh, I see. And okay. one of the main reasons, the one of the main, how I get my information primarily, are recap videos and one series of recap videos. Because you got to remember, if you watch all the wrestling that comes out in a week, that's like nine hours of your life. So if I can watch yeah. a recap video in twenty minutes when I get home from work, well, back in the day it used to be in the morning, but when I get up now. And, well, you know, make my avocado toast and watch one of these videos, I get caught up. I get all the details I need. And my favorite series of recap videos is Ups and Downs, hosted by Simon Miller on the What Culture Wrestling channel. Simon Miller is this, I know if I describe him, Kate's immediately going to know who he is because I'm sure I've shown him to her. Uh, He's the bald, muscular guy, sometimes wrestler. Um, He hasn't wrestled in a while, I don't think. Um, He's sometimes been an indie wrestler. And 
I said to Kate before we started, we were talking about other shit that like, I don't really like, like dude energy is not really, as with many of us, dude energy is not like a thing that I really need in my life right now. But despite being this, like looking like this bald headed, muscular, like, you know, slab of man meat, like Simon Miller is just so charming and like self-effacing and he has this way of talking where he always talks like this and he'll mention something and then follows it through to its logical conclusion in a way that is so bland, it becomes funny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like and i was so excited i got up in my chair and i stuck my head in the toilet no i didn't do that because that would not make sense and i would have gotten wet and cold and likely would have fallen ill like that's he'll just go off on these di- on these diatribes and he he likes to be positive when he's talking about wrestling even if something is absurd and the two ways he explains when something is absurd primarily on uh wwe content he does the aw show both Ron Smackdown for the WWE and then I think he's gotten such good views he's like he's become so popular on what culture he now does retroactive ups and downs where he looks at old shows like an old Wrestlemania or an old Royal Rumble or something and he'll do ups and downs for that and he has all these like you know sub characters now that he does like (laughs) it's like why are we doing this I I have an idea and then it cuts to him like with a beard and a wig on going like it was me wizard in the sky (laughs) (laughs) And his other version of that is when something doesn't make sense, it'll just go to, like, black and white, like a French film. And he's like, have you ever wondered why a man suddenly appears wearing a clearly fake mustache, holding a pair of scissors? Sometimes, stuff just happens. See, I like stuff like that. That sounds fun. It's it's delightful. You need that in your, in your YouTube algorithm. Get some Simon Miller into your life. Simon Miller, you're delightful, and I, I enjoy you a great deal. Um... Other thing I've been watching, I apparently forgot that there were 30, epi- 30 seasons of The Simpsons on Disney Plus and apparently watched so much this week, just as wallpaper in my house that I got for the yeah. first time ever in my life, I got a usage warning for my broadband. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which do that in you. 20 years has never happened. <laughs> it was like, hey, you hit 75% of your usage before it resets in six days i was like oh goodness i have never oh my (laughs) i literally clutched my pearls i was like i have never come close to hitting the top shelf of my of my usage like i don't have like a i don't have unlimited and i don't have a huge amount but it's just me like really how much bandwidth can one person really consume in a week turns out when you're watching seasons of the simpsons quite a lot but anyway, ooh, that's just, that's that's soups. That's all time god tier comf. Some old Simpsons episodes. Um, I'm trying to think what my like background comf is. What your wallpaper is? Yeah. Oh, it's murder she wrote. Oh my god. <laughs> it was. I was gonna say, but I don't know if murder she wrote counts as wallpaper or if you're too invested in the comings and goings of Ms. Jessica Fletcher. Uh, like I always say, the music always lets me know, like. <laughs> Every time, time you hear a trill of strings, you're like, oh, I need to look over. Um, oh, she's looking at a pen cap. <laughs> and uh, as Kate alluded to, haven't been uh, watching as much because I've been, I've been reading again, y'all. Reading. Books. Books. Weird times. Right? Um, so I finished Tokyo Ueno Station. It was fine, if not very sad. Um <laughs> Yeah. Which I said, it's about a story about basically uh, a ghost and former resident of uh, a homeless encampment at Iweno Park in Tokyo. 
kind of talking about his life and how he got there and the other residents. Real short book. And as you got into like why he like the reasons why he ended up there, um, which is basically just, it was a decision he made because don't want to be a burden. Can't be a burden. <laughs> Japan. Um, yeah, no, nah, was, I think I gave it a three out of five on Goodreads. Uh, I'll just defer to my Goodreads readings for, huh. for, uh, for how I thought about books. Um, and then one morning I have a fantastic anthology called, I believe it's just the penguin anthology of Japanese short stories, which has an, okay. in, which has an intro by Haruki Murakami and was generally edited by a guy named Jay Rubin, who was one of Murakami's longtime translators. And it kind of bounces all over the place and it's not just organized chronologically. It's organized thematically, which I like. Um, it's not just like, you know, start with fucking Soseki and then move on to like people who wrote in the twenties and then move up to the current day. It's like, no, here's a section about disasters and one story will be set in Nagasaki and one story will be set during the earthquake, you know, things like that. And I just randomly, Pulled out a story by an author named, uh, what the hell is her name? Hiromi Kawakami, who had a story in there called, I think it was called Dreams of Love, etc. And mm-hmm. basically just a story about this housewife who forsakes a relationship with the woman next door from listening to her play the piano. And it was really good. <laughs> um, I'll just leave it at that. It was really good, and that prompted me to grab a novel I've had on my shelf for years that I have not read. Um, it's actually, I've bought many of her novels and not read them. <laughs> this is the only one I still have oh. left. Uh, it's The Lake by Banana, Banana Yoshimoto. Banana Yoshimoto made her name a, about a decade ago, maybe. She wrote a novel called Kitchen, which I don't know why it was so like groundbreaking at the time, but apparently it was, and incited something called Banana Mania. Um, in Japan. So this is a story about a woman who leaves her hometown and moves to Tokyo to go to art school and ends up kind of starting a relationship with some weirdo who lives in the building across the street. And they just kind of both notice each other staring absently out their windows. And then they kind of start a relationship from there. Um, the synopsis made it seem like this will have some sort of echo of, the uh, Om cult, the cult behind the uh, uh, Tokyo gas attack from years ago, right? the Sarin gas attack, um, that there will be some sort of illusion or commentary or reference to that as we go along. You probably didn't need to put that in the synopsis on, on the end pages. Synopsis writers, Melville House. Yeah. You could have you laid back on that. Um, Again, I said this before about other books, novels I've read recently, where I just don't know if I was reading, like, two heavy nonfiction books, but when I settle... Oh, it was David Sedaris, right. But when I settle into a book like this, it's just, like, a knife through butter, right? It's just, like, shoom. Which has led Amazon to start throwing all these novels at me, and apparently we are living in a golden age for translations of contemporary uh, Japanese lady fiction, and... <laughs> I like that you call it Japanese lady fiction. Well, it's j- written by Japanese ladies. Yeah, but can it just be Japanese fiction? No. Ladies. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I know you're like, I don't want, I don't even want a man's written voice in my head. <laughs> like, I get that. But I think, I think it can just be called fiction. Japanese fiction. I guess. Um, I'm saying it in specifically because this, 
that demo seems to be having more of a moment than otherwise. Like Hiromi Kawakami, who I mentioned before, she's had like five of her books just translated seemingly en masse. Um, convenience store woman. Um, I don't remember her. Sayaka Murata might be her name. Like that, that book has been huge recently. There's, um, there's another Kawakami author who like Ms. Ice Cream, Ms. Ice Sandwich or something. Like there's a whole like, series i don't know the publisher of like japanese novellas that have come out recently all written by women like it just really seems like contemporary books written by japanese women translated in english is having a sort of burbling underground moment right now and that's why that's why i have a cart full of books right now that caitlin won't let me buy whoa 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 have you checked to see if they're available at your local library i have checked to see if they're available on bookaday.com <laughs> Okay, not what I asked. <laughs> Check to see if they're available at your local library. You of all people. What? Dissuade me from, be like me telling you not to buy records. Yeah, I don't buy records. <laughs> no, you buy books. I don't even buy books. I don't buy anything anymore. <laughs> Whatever, and $80 worth it. of books. E-commerce week wasn't that long ago. I know you. Don't lie to the people. Uh, well, that's what I got okay, into, yeah. friends. <laughs> yeah, she, but, she waits till I'm talking, but, and then she tries to slide it in. But after that, I've gone strictly as as soon as the library came back, I got I was strictly library <laughs> until I finish Strict, the books that I am reading. Strictly library. We keep it strictly library. I live in Toronto, though. Every every book I try to get through Libby or something is going to have like a 900 year wait list on it. It's actually not that bad. A lot of people cancel their. Their weights. I had a super long wait for a really gross book about money. Ugh, being an adult is the worst. Um, and I thought it was going to take like a year, and it took like a, like two weeks. Well, that's all I got into. Kate won't let me buy stuff, but again, I'm gonna buy it anyway. I'm gonna buy it anyway, y'all. You need to save your money, like everybody else, which is why we won't let them give us money. <laughs> Fine, friends. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, August Watcher Ammo rolls on. Ooh, it's never the ones you expect. This is going to be a good one, y'all. I can feel it. I got a lot of thoughts about tiny creatures. <laughs> we come back after this break. And welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we usually talk about the things that we've brought each other. But because it's August Watcherama, we just watch one thing yeah. together. Well, not together, but we both watch the same thing. And then we talk about that thing on this half of the show. Yes. Still well, got rules, still though. Rules. Still got rules. Still got rules. Uh, the first rule is the rule of three, that if the thing comes in parts, which this does, we will watch three of them to get a sense of, you know, what it's trying to do. You probably didn't need to watch three, um, and we will get into that, but <laughs> anyways, let's move on to rule number two. It's hashtag save it for the pod that Jordan almost trampled all over earlier in this episode. Oh, I was ready. I was, re was so ready. <laughs> Just, I was like, what are you doing? 
You can't you can't world. scream at the television for ten straight minutes and <laughs> not want to tell and one of your best friends. It is the rule that we will not talk about the thing until we are sitting in front of our microphones so that you, our lovely audience, will get the freshest and hottest of takes. And because this is actually fresh, it's super fresh, like extra fresh. We don't have WAP. We have hat. Hot-ass takes. That's amazing. I was actually like, hot-ass Keep down coming head. through with that hat for you. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so delighted with myself. <laughs> Macaroni in a pot. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Oh, that would be the first official piece of Geek Down merchandise. Just hashtag hat. <laughs> oh, and you, y'all, can send, y'all can send the hat emoji set. <laughs> oh, oh. I'm so delighted. Anyway, rule three. (laughs) (laughs) The rule three is that there will be spoilers. Who gives a shit? It's a doc. Sorry, I'm going to use quotations. A documentary. You're going to say it's a it's a ridiculous mentory. I'm like yes. yes, (laughs) On tiny creatures, Um, there is really not much to spoil here. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Jordan. Uh, so I assume Kate wanted to bring this in. This was another Kate selection. I assume she wanted to bring this in because in, in the pantheon of Geek Down episodes, the discussion on hidden kingdoms from, I don't even know when, year one, perhaps, um, maybe was one of the most unexpected yet surprisingly delightful episodes of the show. I was, I was very taken with this dumb little documentary series about, uh, very small animals living their very small lives. And this seemed to uh, try to, seemed, this seemed like it was going to try to walk the same lane. And I guess it sort of does. It just really highlights the differences in, I guess, English and American, or anywhere in America. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. so, uh, I think it was the moment in episode two where the, it's, it's set. Each episode is set in a different state, city, whatever. Episode two is set in Manhattan. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, talk to me about all the weird, the weird wildlife in uh, in Manhattan. And we do we start with this hamster in his hamster house, mm-hmm. and we need to find a way for this hamster, who is apparently now our POV, to get out to the street below. So, I don't even remember how the fuck he got out of the cage. Or he was in the ball. He was in the hamster ball. He was in the hamster ball. He went up the elevator. Right. Um, to the top for the roof where they were doing construction on this yeah. very tall apartment building. So, it was around the point where the hamster and the hamster ball was fucking super monkey balling down this uh, construction like site. A, down the garbage chute. Yeah. And yeah. I'm screaming at the television, this is not science. <laughs> Nope. So Hidden Kingdoms really just takes a hands-off, laissez-faire, like, like let's look at this, this fucking dung beetle, do its dung beetle stuff. And if, if a fucking bird came along and ate that dung beetle, well, that would have been the story, that would have been the end of the dung beetle. 
nature is a cruel mistress. This is for children, right, Kate? Like, this has got to be for children. So this is, um, I cannot understate how disappointed I am in this series. <laughs> like, so thoroughly disappointed. I, I'm just going to let the audience know, I did not have a great week last week. Nothing horrible happened. Just going through some stuff. Mm. And I was really looking forward oh, no. to this cool do- documentary on, like, and at that point, I had, I had actually, when we when we did the last podcast, I had actually seen the first episode. Mm. And I was concerned. <laughs> and I think I said, I think I said something along those lines. I kind of was like, um, this is maybe not... Not that it wasn't what I thought it would be. It just was not at the caliber I thought it was going to be at. Mm. Um, and um, I'll get into that in a second. I actually will. I'm going to write that down because we keep on saying we're going to get into stuff and we don't. <laughs> um, but I was really looking forward to the next two episodes. I was like, maybe, you know, that first episode, it had that same old, like, just have to get into it thing. Or they're trying to find the right beats or whatever. Um, and it was the third episode where I was like, I, is, it's for children, oh, you mean, I guess. But you mean when the owl can tell time? <laughs> is that what right? you mean? <laughs> or like, just like this weird sort of magical realism they gave to the whole series, well, the first three episodes of the series at least. Um, and it's weird because Hidden Kingdom, so the first episode of hidden kingdoms is a set well they do they do like two different they do two places which i actually think is a lot better than what they've done with tiny creatures hidden kingdoms they do two places and one of them one of those places was the arizona desert right um also it was narrated by stephen fry arguably one of the greatest narrators of documentaries in the world and like audiobook readers, all of that. Um, and but they did the Arizona desert, and they focused on uh, this scorpion, scorpion mouse. And part of that, and that came off just kind of cool. And like they had the scorpion mouse like howling at the moon, which yes is silly, but it was sort of balanced. Mm. Where this was just ridiculous all the time. The first episode I didn't think was going to be that ridiculous because then you did have, like, the fucking scorpion mouse, like, going at that. They made it a western, (laughs) Jordan. I'm not saying it was great. The problem is, let's break it down to, like, the question Jordan asks in so many situations all the time. Why are there people here? Because they want to – I honestly, like – Chris and I, in the third episode, where they focused on the burrowing owl and the golf course, were like, this episode's been paid for by the, <laughs> the golf course, like, um, Society of America. Like, being like, golf courses aren't that bad. Um, and the same with, like, the Arizona one. There's literally fucking trash everywhere. Well, the Arizona one, okay, so 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 the dirt bike, okay, like, like oh my god, so the, the, your POV in the Arizona episode is this kangaroo rat, and, yeah. which just look like little, like, you know, little hamsters with big long rear legs that hop around. Um, 
and his whole narrative is like if his if his mom died the fact that we were anthropomorphizing these animals so much was like the first tell that like we're putting this kangaroo rat on a fucking hero's journey right now like it's it's on a fucking like dan Harmon story circle to like (laughs) go out on its hero's quest and come back changed which it did by like luring some hawk in to fight a rattlesnake so he could get his hole back this you you don't even remember where that hole was you don't know where you are rat like yeah, the level of, like, forcing, foistering human emotions onto these animals, um, which I guess it may have happened in Hidden Kingdoms as well, but if it did, it had that sort of, like, you know, Stephen Fry, you know, whimsy <laughs> to it, which it, yeah. it wasn't at the forefront like that. Like, it was the point, so I, w- I was screaming at the television when the hamster was fucking super monkey balling down the side, and I was like, okay, this is not science. Like... <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here, but science ain't it. The third episode with the owl, (laughs) number one, when it's running from, it's, you know, running from probably the fox. It encounters a fox late in the episode and it's like running from it. And I'm like, motherfucker, you have wings. Like, do you not know you can fly? Like, (laughs) why is that? Why is that not your first impulse? No. But it's when it's, it's, it's a snapping turtle and the fox and the owl in a burrow having a fucking Mexican standoff. Like... (laughs) And the salmon turtle bites the fox's tail, and I'm like, what the fuck? Or when, again, when the owl can tell time, and it's, like, leading the fox over to the sprinklers, because it knows when the sprinklers are going to go off, and then when it does, the fox has never seen water before. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I've totally forgotten what I was doing from this light spray of water in my face. What? What is happening? Hidden Kingdoms, this was not. It was not i was so fucking disappointed it's, and also i'm sorry mike coulter i just look a, listen I, so when i listened to it when i watched it at first i was like Yo, Neil is, is, Tyson? i was like is that keith david and is that the only reason we're watching this um no but it wasn't it was keith not, david but i just looked up who the keith david it would have made it so much better but i just looked up who the narrator and saw it was mike coulter and got so sad just now <laughs> I'm like, look, Mike Coulter, you sound like Neil deGrasse Tyson, which is not good. The whole time I was like, why is Neil deGrasse Tyson, like, doing the voice for an animal documentary? And I mean, what about space? I'd be like, cool. And I was like, okay, who, is it Neil deGrasse Tyson? And I was sure it was. Look. And then when I found out it was Mike Coulter, I was very sad. Times is hard. A check's a check. You can do voiceover work while maintaining social distance. Like, I understand all that stuff. But, I mean, Luke Cage, you don't need to dilute the brand like that. Like, you just, no. you just, you just don't. You, you could have you Alan Smithied that shit. I feel like. Um, so, as we have alluded to, this feels very staged and very, like, the whole thing about a nature documentary is you just want to feel like an observer, right? Like, you just want to, like... Just be watching nature and, do its thing. And they did, I remember, like, Hidden Kingdoms, they absolutely did do some things um, where they they did it sort of, you know, made, they made it look like this epic adventure for this small animal, but they never were like, they never gave them abilities that they didn't have. Well, they, I, and when the kangaroo rat, they, like... I don't know what the hell it was running from. Maybe the hawk the first time or something. And it ends up in this, you know, rusted can for a bit of shelter. 
And now suddenly there's some cowpoke firing a BB gun for target practice. Like what? No, you did that. Like, <laughs> yeah, you didn't, you didn't have to I haven't busted that one out in a while, but, but I think what it was is that the natural world is it's the natural world is cool enough as it is. Yes. Um, and this is what I always say about history and historical movies and shows. History in and of itself is wild enough. You don't need to change things to be sexier or weirder. Or, like the Catherine the Great thing, right? Like the Great, that, that show. Um, it doesn't need – they've changed a bunch of stuff, and they didn't need to because it was wild enough as it was. But anyways, um, same with nature documentaries. Nature is beautiful and strange and interesting, and I don't want an adventure about a small creature – that's being influenced by all these crazy outside sources. I want to know about its life. Um, I think a New York episode would have been much better if it had focused on all of the actual animals that live in the city, the rats and the raccoons and the foxes and the balance between this, <clears throat> the city and central park, the, all the different bird species. Like I want to know more about, that all the different bugs and the ecosystem of manhattan i think that is a much more interesting story than hammy hamster's great adventure <laughs> and it tries <laughs> like, it tries to make that point by the end but it's like no nah, bro we don't believe you like this it, it still didn't it talked about ants it was like there's this many types of species of animals in new york and i was like well can we see any of them <laughs> please um, um and even with the harris hawk that they showed in the Arizona episode. Harris hawks specifically are known for hunting in packs. They're one of the only um, birds of prey to do so. And they didn't show any of that. Like that, there were some things, and there were some things that were actually just wrong. And I just got so frustrated. So not, not to bring the curtain down on on the production of tiny creatures, but uh, while looking for like even details about the show, I found some story on a website that I don't even know how reliable it is, but um, citing some Twitter dummies out there, basically saying the show is scripted animal abuse and responses from the producers and the director, basically saying like just how staged this thing was like the Hawk and the kangaroo rat were not in the same space at the same time on the same day. Oh, of course they weren't. And they just assembled all this stuff in post to, like, make it look. Because the dummies on Twitter are like, it's just scripted animal abuse. You're, like, locking this predator and the prey together and, like, being mean to these animals. It's like, no, they were never filmed on the same day, dummies. Like, relax. No. But I don't think any of us can really go to bat with this. I mean, here's the thing. I had a great time just being bewildered by this show. (laughs) And I might watch another episode. Just to see, like, I might go back and look at the location. There was another location in there that seemed pretty good. I can't remember which one it was, but. Um, so we did Arizona, New York, Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. And Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Washington, and New Hampshire. It was New Hampshire. I don't remember. But, like, I definitely had more fun. <laughs> the old guard was a better thing. I had more fun sitting with my mouth agape watching tiny creatures <laughs> so chris and i did like we talked about how anxiety inducing it was like especially because we loved the burrowing owl 
that thing is fucking cute. Um, with its big giant eyes and its dilating pupils. Uh, and owls have great faces that they make. Obviously, they're not making faces. It's just the way they look. Someone but like, once said, I looked like an owl. Yeah. Uh, I may have made some comment about it being a grumpy Jordan owl. Mm, did you? I did. You don't say. Um, it was good times. <laughs> um, and uh, anyways, they, they, they have great faces and their owls are just interesting looking. Um, and again, they, they, okay, so here's the thing. I should not have to look up information about the animal you're doing a documentary on. They didn't talk about the tunnels. They didn't talk about, like, location. They didn't talk about, like, why they, um, why they evolved to, like, live in tunnels. Hmm. Like, that's a weird thing for an owl to do. A little bit. They didn't talk about any of the stuff I was interested in, and I had to Wikipedia it. <laughs> it is a documentary about that thing. Um... You know, they also hidden kingdoms. They literally had a fight between like the mouse and and the scorpion. And I know they did a little bit of that in um, Tiny Creatures, but it was just m so much cooler. And that might have been animal cruelty. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it just they framed it a lot better. I learned a lot more in watching Hidden Kingdoms and I did Tiny Creatures. Like, I wanted to know about the snapping turtles. I wanted to know about these creatures that they were, the foxes and the uh, and the ferrets. And, like, I wanted to know more about the creatures they were showing us and facts about them. Not just this, like, crazy story um, that could be a Disney movie. I wanted to know things. Yeah. So I that was very disappointing just from the standpoint of being a giant fucking dork <laughs> and wanting to know things about things. Meanwhile, episode 3 with the, you know, fucking owl and the ferret having their standoff and they're like trying to really like sell the suspense of the structural integrity of, you know, the tunnels under the uh, yeah. you know, fairway green while the guy's taking a putt and I'm like if, if a fucking owl shoots out of that <laughs> golf hole right now i'm gonna lose it i'm gonna fucking lose it thankfully didn't happen there was a slight cave in but the owl did not come out through the you know whole 18 but i was like no. the fact that i even thought they might <laughs> shows you what kind of show this is no the the tunnels that they just for so because everyone i'm sure wants to know as much as i do <laughs> hashtag hat the tunnels, <laughs> the tunnels that they use are created by ground squirrels and they don't, they're not enemies of the ground squirrels. They don't like, and the ground squirrels are big. They look like gophers, uh, like large gophers. Um, and they just take over abandoned tunnels. Um, and I wanted to know, like, how do they find a tunnel? Like, what goes into this? Do they ever do their own digging? Like, I needed facts, and I was not getting them. I was very unhappy. You just learned more about the animals featured on this show than the show will ever tell you. That is all you need to know okay. about yeah. tiny creature, tiny, tiny creatures. Uh, it's no hidden kingdoms. Watch hidden kingdoms instead. I'm going to give this, uh, I'm going to give it a five, just like a basic pass, just because I did like, there was enjoyment to be had and just being like stunned by how ridiculous it was. But if this was a crapathon show, it'd be like an eight. Oh Yeah. 
it, this is a this is a four for me. <laughs> so, so so disappointed. So disappointed. Oh my gosh! But yes, if it was a crapathon show, oh yeah. Be low key. Not gonna lie, it could be like a Hall of Fame crapathon show. It would have been one of the best crapathon shows maybe ever. <laughs> but but this is the thing I should know going in. <laughs> I should be able to tell that it's going to be terrible. I wasn't able. It was, wasn't. Yeah. So just put it. You, you Trojan, you're terrible in. Nobody wants that. I know. We want the, ter- we want the terrible oh. up front. Well, friends, that is just about going to do it for this ep. If you watch Tiny Creatures, and I kind of really want you to, you can let us know what you thought about it. Hashtag hat. Twitter.com slash GeekTownPod. Get up off Twitter. Let us know what you thought of that. August Watch Ramble will conclude next week with, what the hell is it called? Decadence? Decadash-dense? Decadence. One of the one of the apparently notable anime for the summer season. What little of a summer season there is. Thank you, Rona. But we do have some shows, one of which is Decadence, which some of the people seem to like. So we're going to check that out and uh, see if we like it as well. And maybe we will, and maybe we will think it is hot garbage. But you will not know unless you come back next week which we hope you do. Friends, thank you so much for joining us. It means the world to us, as it does every week. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser, and we hope that you have a fabulous week and that you come back next week for another fabulous episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Hashtag hat. Hat. Take all this out. I was gonna, probably going to take it out anyway because oh I was God. laughing. You are on fire with nitpicking yourself. I'm a mess, Caitlin. You're a fucking mess. <laughs> Figure shit out, Jordan. <laughs> well, no, I have a tag.